All right, you can have a seat. So I have two things to say about the suit and tie. One is don't get used to it. And two, people are thinking that gold and green are Christmas colors, which they absolutely are. This is partly in celebration of the Packers' victory yesterday. I am, I am very excited about what God has for us this morning. Um, now that everybody is seated comfortably, would you stand in honor of God's word? <laughs> now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. Would you pray with me one more time? Lord, I pray for all of us, but especially for those who are hurting, who maybe are struggling with depression and loneliness. Father, that you would help us to capture the wonder of that first Christmas. Lord, we love you and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. 
so our, our culture has gone out of its way to tell us this message, that Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. Wonderful means filled with wonder. And there's all kinds of things that have come out of our culture to, to bring this sense of wonder. One of, one of the things certainly is Christmas music. That Christmas music has become a whole genre that artists all over the world have found out that they can double their sales simply by having a separate Christmas album where they sing. They don't even have to write the songs. They're already there. Hark the Herald Angels Sing, O Come Only Faithful. You just sing them and people will buy it because Christmas music is its own genre. And um, so much so that November 1st, we start hearing Christmas music in the stores. Getting us in the mood. And then there's Christmas movies. A whole genre of movies around the wonder of Christmas. I like the Hallmark movies. I'm a little sappy that way. You might not expect it if you know, know my personality, but... But I, I just, I went on their website to find out how many movies they made in 2016 for Christmas. 21 new movies for Christmas. You say, Pastor Tom, how could they, how could they even think of 21 different plots for Christmas? Here's the thing, they didn't have to. It's all the same plot. Everyone is in a little different package, but it is the, basically the same plot every year or every movie. And I enjoy that plot. I'm not a cynic. And then, of course, the wonder of Christmas lights. I love the lights. I love the light in the darkness. And, and people have got their homes all decked out. There's Christmas lights on the tree. There's Christmas lights inside. There's Christmas lights outside. And I, frankly, enjoy going down the street and seeing beautiful light displays. But for whatever reason, that never happened at our house. And it's not because Alice did not want Christmas lights outside. It's because she made it very clear, that's your job. <laughs> I'm in charge of the outside. She, she will do the inside, but I'm in charge of the outside. And I, I, I don't know why, but I just never did the outside. I just, I never had the energy. I don't know why. And, and I, it was just a, it's just a failure. It's what it was. So here's what happened this year. My wife is at the dollar store, the Dollar General, and she finds this little ball for 20 bucks. And all you do is you plug this guy in and it projects lights onto your house. And they're different colors and they, they rotate and and, uh, and, it, and it makes you look kind of like you did the work of doing outside lights. <laughs> so we have this, all you do, it's just one plug. You just plug this thing in and, and, it's, and it's projecting. And, and so my, uh, 
my in-laws, my, my father-in-law and mother-in-law come to visit, and it's one of the first days that we got, we've got the, the new lights up, and, and uh, my father-in-law is, is a purist in all things, but especially Christmas things. So I don't know how he's going to handle this. He comes in, and, and I'm like, Dale, did, did you see the lights? And I can tell he's not real happy about the lights. And I'm like, I'm like, it's a little better than nothing. He says this, actually, it's a little worse than nothing. (laughs) We have done so many things in our culture to make us feel a sense of wonder. But have you noticed this? That that wonder, as you get older, becomes less and less and less, and that actually you almost need children around to even experience it, because you just look into their eyes and you remember your childhood. We have called the, the theme this year something about joy. I can't remember. Come. Welcome. Joy has come. Joy has come. Yes, I knew. Thank you, Sierra. Joy, joy has come. And here's, here's, what I'm, here's what I believe with all of my heart. If you're going to experience the joy of Christmas, we have to grasp the wonder of the first Christmas. We have to get out of our culture, out of what Christmas has become in America, and we have to get back into the very first Christmas and experience that wonder. And that will bring joy that has, that, that has nothing to do with America. So I'm gonna challenge you today to come with me back to the first Christmas and experience the wonder of what happened. So point one is the wonder of the angels. I wanna read a Christmas text to you that you probably haven't even thought of with Christmas before. This is Hebrews chapter one, verse six. It says, when God brings his firstborn into the world, He says, let all God's angels worship him. God has not told us much about angels. We know they've been here. They were here before us. They are probably millions and millions of years old, but they are created beings. They came into existence at some time before earth. We we know that because they were there in Job 38. It says they were there at the foundation of the earth, rejoicing. The angels rejoiced as God created the earth. So we know they have been around for a long time. When you think about the wonder of Christmas, the greatest wonder, I believe, is not experienced by man. I believe it is experienced by angels. Think about this. 
from their creation. And then for millions of years, the center of heaven is the Son of God. He is the center of their worship. He is the center day in, day out. Jesus fills the heaven. His, his glory, of course, he doesn't have the name Jesus yet. He's just the son. He's known as the son. And he is worshiped. And he is the visible expression of the father, of, of the Godhead. He is, he is worshiped. And then one day, one day, he's gone. Can you imagine this? The center of your being is gone. And we can only imagine the angels talking to each other. What's going on? Where is he? Where is he? And one talks to another and talks to another. We don't know how angels relate to each other, if they drink coffee, where they meet, how they talk to each other. But at some point, Gabriel, we can imagine, we can imagine that Gabriel has to call a special meeting. Guys, don't think that angels know everything because they don't. It says in 1 Peter 1.12 that they long to look into the things of salvation. So the idea that angels just automatically know everything is not true. And the idea that they can't experience wonder is not true. They, they have longings. They are learning in the gospel. So we can imagine Gabriel holding a meeting. Everybody wants to know, where, where did the sun go? And he has to start with Isaiah 7.14. This is the sign that I will give. A virgin will conceive and have a child and his name will be called Emmanuel. And he has to explain to them that right now, the son from eternity is inside of a virgin's womb and is going to be there for nine months. And then he says this, but God, the Father, has given a special decree. When he is delivered, he has said all of the angels get to be on site to worship him. He's going to come out in a different form than you've ever seen him. He's coming out as a little baby, but that's him. That is the Son. That is God with us. He probably gave them Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He says, guys, this is the plan. Don't be deceived. And God has given permission. Folks, when the angels, it says, when the angels are, uh, have given their message, it says that they went back to heaven. They went back to heaven, but they hadn't come from heaven. They had come from the birth. They were all there. They were around the birth, worshiping. They went from the birth to the shepherds, and then 
Some of them went back to heaven. Others, other angels are on earth all the time. They've, their assignment is on earth. But they were all there, it says. Even the angels that are holy, holy, holy around the closest worship angels around the throne, they're all there to observe the wonder of God becoming flesh. I want to read to you this morning's reading from Oswald Chambers. Jesus Christ was born into this world, not from it. He did not evolve out of history. He came into history from the outside. Jesus Christ is not the best human being. He is a being who cannot be accounted for by the human race at all. He is not man becoming God, but God incarnate. God coming into human flesh, coming into it from outside. His life is the highest and the holiest, entering in at the lowliest door. Consider with me first the wonder of the angel. Secondly, the wonder of Joseph and Mary's circumstances. So Mary has had an, the angel Gabriel appear to her. He starts by saying, don't be afraid. You are highly favored by heaven. Whoa. Favor, the favor of God. This is a favored daughter of God. Don't make Mary less than a human being. When we hear that we're favored, when we hear that, that God's special favor is on us, we're going to think about what that must look like. What does it look like to have God favor you? And I could just imagine her wonder that there is no room at the inn and they're sent to a stable to deliver this child. I can imagine her wonder that there's no doctor, there's no midwife, there's no helper. She is all, her and Joseph are all alone. How many know women, if you're with your husband and you're alone, it's just the two of you to deliver a child, you are all alone. <laughs> I am seeing Joseph in the other room freaking out. Mary is doing this on her own. It says that Mary is the one that laid her in the manger. Joseph is like, it's, it's covered with mucus. I can't touch that. Mary, Mary is doing this thing. We all have an idea that if we're favored and if we're loved, then life should be easy and comfortable. And here's the truth. Life is hard. But God is good. Friday, this last Friday, my daughter Beth had a friend drive from Minnesota. It was a three-hour trip. It ended up being five hours and 45 minutes because of the snow that was falling. But she had met her out at uh, Johns Hopkins in Baltimore where they both went to college. And, and she was back and 
just wanted to visit Beth. And I'm just like, wow, this is a long way to come. She, she arrived at five. She was leaving at eight on Christmas Eve. So she's there less than 24 hours. And like, I hope this is worth it for her. And we were so happy to meet her. And we sat down. We got pizza for dinner. And we're sitting down. And literally, she just starts opening up her, her heart. She says, uh, we, we asked her about her job, and she said, I, I'm, I've got a new position coming in January, and the one that I'm in now is, it's, I've got the, I, she said, I didn't even know there were like evil people, but my boss has just been evil toward me. Just been just hated me from day one. And except for a fear of a lawsuit, she would have got rid of me. And, and my life became a living hell going to work. She said, I'm very excited about the new opportunity. But what had happened, um, and, and I, we're just like, oh, that is so bad. We feel so bad for you. She said this. She stops. She's 25 years old. She says, it's one of the best things that's ever happened in my life. And she said, what happened? She said, I grew up in the church. But a few years ago, my mom had a stroke and she lost 35% of her brain's capability. She has no short-term memory anymore. She can't, she can't remember anything day to day. They have to have her in a care facility and they they have her home on the weekends and they take her to church but she she can't she can't do stuff and she said i had become angry with god uh, there had been this distance between me and god and she said, but what's happened with my boss? I, I went into depression. I, started, I went to counseling. I started taking drugs for it. And I just didn't know if I could go on anymore. My work became worse and worse and worse. I had all these sick days, so I just was tempted to call in sick again and again. And she said, there's this vibrant Christian friend I have, and I... I poured the whole thing out to her and she said, listen, here's what you need to do. You need to get away and you need to pray. And she gave her one sermon that a guy preached to, to listen to, to inform her reflection. And so she went to the ocean and she listened to this sermon and it was about David, and it was about not allowing other people to define who you are, not allowing your, uh, your family to define who you are, not allowing to define the people around you, and, and, and that God is the only one that can define you, and God has made you for something way greater than you could possibly contemplate, and that you have to enter into what God thinks about you and your identity in God. And she, she's just shared, and she stops halfway. She says, do you guys really want to hear? I said, we want to hear it all. <laughs> and she says, and what happened is, I realized that this boss could not define me unless I let her define me. And she said, I started 
to open my heart back up to God. And she said, he has brought me so close. He has taken all of the anger away. And he said, what happened is I could see that my work was getting worse and worse and worse because I was working for the wrong person. And when I went back, I went back as a different person. And he said, she said, it's as if God raised up this other woman in our company that arranged her to get this transfer that's going to start in January. Friend, just because life is hard, just because life maybe is impossible for you, or it seems impossible because it's so hard, because you're so lonely, or because so many difficult things happen, maybe in 2016, and life is so hard. Just because life is really hard does not mean that God is not good. God is good. This is the wonder of Christmas, is even though life can be hard and at times very lonely, God can take even the worst things and make them good things if we'll let him. Thirdly, the wonder of the shepherds. Isn't it interesting? The wonder of the appearance to the shepherds. Why shepherds? Why didn't the angels appear to the political or military leaders and have them there to welcome in the king? Why shepherds? Why didn't, why didn't angels appear to the religious leaders at the temple so that they could come and welcome in the, the priest, the priest of all priests? He either would have been very consistent. Jesus is king of kings. He is priest of all priests. Why shepherds? Why are these the only one, the only group that the angels appear to and are invited to witness Jesus right after his birth? I'm reading now from a commentary Luke's original audience would have immediately picked up on the religious significance of the Bethlehem shepherds watching their flocks by night. Aware of the Old Testament and the Jewish temple worship of the day, they would have known that when you said Bethlehem, you were saying sacrificial lambs. The hills around Bethlehem were home to the thousands of lambs used in ritual worship in the temple. Bethlehem is less than five miles from Jerusalem. This was where they were called rabbinic shepherds. The, because these lambs were not being raised for food or for wool, they were being raised for sacrifice. They had watched over the lambs that were going to be sacrificed from year to year to because God was a holy God and we could only relate to him through atonement without the shedding of blood. There was no forgiveness of sins. So these lambs were being raised to be slaughtered. 
and their blood covered over the sins of Israel from year to year to year. But all of those lambs didn't just cover over the sins of Israel from year to year. There was another purpose of all those lambs that were sacrificed. All of those lambs were sacrificed to point to the one who was coming, who would be the Lamb of God, that would would not cover the sins of the world, that would take away the sins of the world. Mary had a little lamb. It was absolutely appropriate that the shepherds would watch over the birth of the one who would be sacrificed for the sins of all humanity. Jesus was born to die. And then finally, the wonder of the angel's message. I'm bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. Folks, this is is a foreign concept to a Jewish mind. God's favor, God's blessing is for the Jews, not for the Gentiles. But this one is coming, not just for the Jews, but for all the people. Now, even if, here's how far the Jewish mind could go. It's not just the Jews. There's also some God-fearing Gentiles that are also kind of included. Okay, but you got to be, if you're not a Jew, you need to be really religious to be part of the favor of God. But this is beyond the religious This is beyond those who keep the rules of society. This this is good news of great joy for all the people. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, what your upbringing was. It doesn't matter. This is good news. If you could grab a hold of the message of the angels, this is good news of great joy for everyone. There's no one outside of the scope of this great joy that God wants to impart. So what is it? What is that message? Here's the message. We are not good enough to save ourselves. But we are loved enough to be given a savior. We are not, there's not one person in this place right now that is good enough to save yourself. I don't care how religious you are. I don't care how many little old ladies you help across the street. I don't care how much good deeds you've done, how much money you've given. You are, you cannot save yourself. God is way too holy and you're way too sinful to save yourself. But it was God's pleasure even in our sins, even in our evil, it never separated us from his love. You are loved. 
Whether you have any idea of God, whether you've walked with God, whether you're an unreligious person, whether you've got horrible sins in your past, doesn't change anything. Many waters do not quench his love. It doesn't matter how much bad has happened. He loves you. His love is fervent. And you say, well, how does he express his love? Here's how. He gave you a savior. Jesus was born for you. He was born for me. You can own Jesus. You can own him. It's not arrogance to say you own him. It is not presumption to say you own him. It is the plan of God for you to own him. He is the gift of Christmas. Jesus is the gift of Christmas. Here is the wonder of the first Christmas. That someone like him would love someone like me so much that he would be born so that he could die for me. There it is. (laughs) That someone like him would love someone like me so much that he would be born so that he could die for me. Did you notice what the angels said to the shepherds? Today in Bethlehem, a savior has been born for you. It's not just about the whole world, it's about you. You'll never have the joy and wonder of it without making it personal. You have to make it personal. It's interesting what it says. Actually, what's interesting is what it doesn't say about the innkeeper. It doesn't say the innkeeper was hostile or angry or didn't believe in God. It simply says there just wasn't room. There just wasn't room. God came knocking and there just, there just wasn't room. What well, we all know that a lot of times there's not room. A lot of times we all realize, you know, you have a visitor come and there's not room, but if you, if you treasure the visitor, you make room. We can make room for whatever we want to make room for. Isn't that right? And it, but it's just like God. If there's no room at the inn to go somewhere else, not to force his way in, not to plead, not to... He knocks. And if the answer is there's no room, he leaves. Did you know that God is still knocking today? Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone, anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him. It says in John 1, he came to his own, his own received him not, but to as many as received him. He gave the power to become the children of God. Not born of man, not born of blood, but born of God. So what's the innkeeper doing? Well, frankly, life is good. There's a census on. We're busy. We're making money. Our li- we're, we're distracted. 
And so he didn't make room to his eternal regret. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. We're going to do Joy to the World to end today. But I have a question for you. Do you know that God's knocking? It's a little disturbing because God's knock is not, it's, it's, it's quiet. And oftentimes we're just so caught up in our lives. We're so caught up in our distractions and our profit making and our busyness and our schedule. We got to go here. We got to go there. And of course we got the cell phones there. And what, who's calling me? What's, this is interesting. And it's usually not interesting. And you're, just, just a second, just a second. I got, oh, I got to take this. I got to take this. And like, who's calling your broker? I, who knows? Anyway, whatever. Um, we are actually trained to be distracted. But God loves you so much that he's given you a savior. He won't force his way in. He won't push his way in but he will knock. And if you will listen to your life, listen to his word, even listen to a, a, a church service like this in the midst of the chaos of culture, if you listen and with sincerity say, Jesus, I'm opening up the door. Even as my Beth's friend found joy in the midst of difficulty, God has the same for you. Could we stand to our feet? In just a moment, we're gonna, we're gonna close the service with joy to the world. And I just wanna, I wanna encourage you. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Okay, now, now here's the part. And, and there is a corporate element of celebration that Jesus is coming, that we together welcome him as king. But listen to the next line because it applies to you. Let every heart prepare him room. I understand that you don't have room. I understand life's too busy. I got too many things going. You need to make room. Because this is the most important thing in your life, your relationship with God. So if, if, to, if this year, whether you're Christian or not right now, you want to make room, intentionally make room for Jesus, would you just open your arms like this, close your eyes, and I just want to pray. Lord, the wonder of our culture wears off. Sometimes it wears off very quickly. And it just feels empty and shallow at Christmas. It just feels like this is somebody trying to sell me something. Jesus, we want the wonder of the first Christmas. Lord, you know our lives. You know how busy we are. You know how many friends we have on Facebook. You know how many things are going on. Jesus, we choose today to make room for you. We are hearing your knock. We're opening the door, Jesus. Come on, Lord. Come on, let's do this. Come on. 
I want to own you, Jesus. I want to own you with greater confidence in 2017 than I ever have in the past. I want to go beyond just doing church to having this relationship that is the center of everything. Thank you for hearing this prayer. Thank you for meeting with me this Christmas in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Merry Christmas. Let's do joy to the world and we're dismissed.